Hey, this is Anna Vaughn with Travel Mama Anna Vaughn, and this is our podcast. Strap in, because it's about to get weird. Everybody, it is Anna Vaughn Francis with the Travel Mama podcast, and due to popular demand for most of your questions, we are going to talk today with Maria Vasquez about immigration. She works at Moctezuma Immigration in Huatulco and is something of an expert about immigrating to Mexico. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Anna. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me today. Thanks for being here. We tried last week, but, you know, earthquakes. <laughs> yes, last week was very crazy. <laughs> yeah. Was there any damage in Huatulco? Um, can you repeat it, please? Uh, was, it, was there any damage in Huatulco? Uh, damage. Mm, yes, some buildings uh, had some damage, like uh, they didn't fall down, but yeah, we have to repair some some stuff from some buildings um, here downtown. But oh. yeah, no one got hurt, but yeah, the buildings are a little bit <laughs> damaged. Yeah, we're same here. Nobody got hurt. I don't. I don't think that we even have any damage. Uh, Unless people have private home damage, I don't know about. But yeah, these old homes all stayed stayed up. Um. Okay, cool. Well, I really wanted to. A lot of people have written to me and asked about immigrating, and I think that there are, you know, with what's going on with COVID in the world, there are a lot of people that, you know, the need to want to get out of places like Canada and the U.S. and Europe, it's growing, you know, um, you know, people are totally stuck, they're unable to work, um, you know, they're very expensive places in the world, they're looking for ways that they can take the savings they have, or, you know, maybe move their family, or just really get away, I mean, they're sort of there's a lot going on outside of COVID as well in these parts of the world, um, a lot of unrest. And more you know, people already asking a lot about moving to Mexico, but definitely more people have been asking than usual. And I really wanted to, it sort of brought up a lot of questions for me in terms of, you know, what is immigration like here? I, I really don't know enough about it because I, you know, by uh, luck, you know, had a baby here. And so my immigration process has been relatively simple since I'm being naturalized through my child. But what, what's the, what's the, what would you say is the regular, like pre-COVID, like what is the immigration landscape like here? Like what is the, the, the major groups? Okay, um, well, we have all kind of immigrants in Mexico. Um, well, we have those who want to stay in Mexico as their final destination. And in this group, we have people with all kinds of personal situations and motives to move uh, from different countries like Central America, South America, but mainly from USA. Actually, Americans are about the 70% of all uh, the foreigners who live in Mexico. So yeah, it's very, uh, there is not only one type of immigrant in Mexico, we have a lot. And then we have those who consider Mexico only as a transit country. Like they are here only in their way to US, like from Central American countries that they want to be refugees in USA. 
and but because USA has a lot long um, times of for the immigration procedures there, um, mm -hmm. it's Central Americans. Um, are here um, like temporary, but it's about a few years before they heard something from US. So yeah, that's like the the landscape here in Mexico. Um, so there's a huge, like a huge group of migrants coming up. I mean, I know there's a lot of people from Central America coming up through Mexico. Um, I mean, that's where I came from, but uh, last, but, um, you know, coming up through Mexico. So that sort of the temporary, is that the major temporary group, like with a temporary residency? Is that what they get? Yeah, um, well, I'm saying temporary, like they have this idea of going to US, not like- Right, but they can't Mexico. get in. They, their idea is living in US, not in Mexico, but when US turn them out and US doesn't uh, reply, uh, efficiently to the refugee uh, applications, then they just stay in Mexico. And some of them also are applying for refugee status in Mexico instead of US because it's more simple to do it in Mexico than in US. But that's like the Central American um, landscape or, yeah. And of course it's very different for uh, Americans, Canadians, Europeans um, because they don't need like a tourist visa for right. getting to Mexico like, like Central Americans. Right, right. So if you're coming, like what do you think is gonna change now that, uh, I mean, now that there's civil unrest on both sides of Mexico in the US and Guatemala, you know, Honduras, El Salvador, I mean, El Salvador is, so I talked about a lot in the international news, but it's pretty horrific what's happening. Like, what do you think is going to be, what's it going to be like in Mexico going forward with these two main, like, main borders being so distraught, you know? Like, I mean, they both look like they're going to civil war. Yeah, well, first, the borders were closed by Guatemala and USA. Mexico didn't uh, close the borders, so the borders. So, um, yeah, it's, it's able, you are, if you're in Guatemala, you are able to come to Mexico, but if you want to go back to Guatemala, you are not, you, you cannot do that. And the same thing from U.S., uh, if you come from U.S. to Mexico, it's, it's possible, but now uh, going from Mexico to U.S. by land, right. it's not that easy. And I think... Um, do you think, though, that more people are going to want to leave those places and come here? Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, like Mexico, like for a place for living. So I, I already have a lot of email requests and or, yeah, they are telling me they want to come. So people is kind of desperate because, for example, the consulates are, are not uh, fully working. And I think uh, when consulates <laughs> go back to work uh, in this new normality, uh, a lot of, there is going to be more immigrants in Mexico than before of this crisis. I think, and hopefully uh, if this uh, flow increase, this will put some pressure on government uh, and force it to improve um, the immigration procedures 
because we all immigration procedures are not foreigners friendly, are very tricky and complicated. I and will attest to that. It is very uh, difficult. And, you so. know, coming from Canada, like uh, I always tell people when they say, well, you're not really Mexican. I'm always like, I'm twice as Mexican as you because I had to work so hard to become Mexican. Like yeah. when you go, you know, I came from Canada where we have a lot of immigration. We prefer immigrants. And, um, you know, when you come to immigrate, there are people that help you immigrate. There's a process you go through. You go through one step and that person says to you, okay, now you do your next step. This is where you go. And it's like, your hand is kind of held. It's a longer process than it is here, but somebody helps you through it. Like there are designated offices and whatever to help people immigrate. You come here and the woman, like I went to Mexico City and the women who work at immigration are like, why you want to live here? <laughs> and I'm like, because I love this country. I asked the woman to take a photo of me when I got my residency and she looked at me like, why? <laughs> it was like, I had to work hard to get this. I am proud to be here. I want to be in this country. I, ch I chose to be here. My child is from here and this is where I want to be. But you can tell that they're not used to dealing with immigrants by the way, like uh, more this idea, like getting paperwork done, less this sort of like, you know, there's this PR campaign in Canada about like, I'm so happy to finally be a Canadian citizen. And like, it just doesn't really, even though there are, I know so many people that are really happy to be in Mexico, this system around it of like hyping it up and, you know, making it a, a, a fun and, you know, a enjoyable process kind of thing where things are more laid out, like doesn't exist at all here. Like you just have to figure out, like every time I do a step, I find out that I should have done a different step. You know what I mean? Like. It's always like one first, two back, one, you know? So it's, it's a hard to immigrate here, hard to figure it out. Well, I think that is like Mexican red tape. It's something very, in, in all, the, all the government agencies you are going to, it's always like this, always is uh, hard. And this is, I think, because um, years before well, we know now we have a different government. From we have a different uh, president, but in the in the years before, we had very um, difficult times with these government agencies, and yeah, they just want money. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of corruption. Yeah, that's why they put uh, um, so hard to you. So you get tired of it and you say help okay. me and yeah i mean that's how i feel about getting my daughter vaccinated like just to get the vaccine card and i already have a bunch of vaccines from here but we don't have the card just to get the card it took me like three months of photocopies you know just to get a vaccination card just to have one they could fill out so yeah it is i mean that but it, that's sort of, that's why I make fun and say, well, that makes me a real Mexican because I had to go through the process and like, yeah. it's like you earn, you earn it. You earn becoming Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> you have yeah. to earn it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what, like, what, what do you think is the ideal immigrant here? Like what, it, not, I'm not you personally, but like, what's the government looking for? Like what makes you have a what makes it easiest like just if you have money or is it if you come from somewhere or if you're a family like what what's the ideal 
immigrant to Mexico? Well, there is different um, assumptions uh, in the, for being an immigrant, for example, the assumption of the um, economic uh, solvency, then yeah, if you, if you meet those requirements uh, that for uh, economic solvency, you are, you are in. <laughs> per What's say. the requirements? Uh, well, it depends on, for example, for uh, temporary residency is uh, about 616,000 pesos in investments or average monthly balance. That's, that's for temporary. And, or if you have a salary from a job or a pension with monthly deposits after taxes up to 37,000 pesos. That's for what is that in U.S. dollars? In U.S., I don't know because uh, I don't do the conversion because the U.S. dollar is always uh, moving, so right. I didn't. Thirty-seven thousand pesos a month you need to have deposited in your accounts. That's for deposits. Thirty-seven thousand pesos. Let's say the dollar is in twenty pesos. That's. Right. Uh, about 1800 US dollars. So you need to be generating about $2,000 of income a month in order to get the temporary residency. Plus or you have to have, have a balance. Yeah, or to have in your savings is about um, $30,000 US dollars in, sa in savings. That's for one year. You have to prove you have the, that money in the bank one year, or in case of uh, you have this deposit, that's for six months. You have to prove it for six months. So and you have then, to show like a history of your banking. Yeah, you have to show, if you can show your like one month, one bank account statement, one month, one bank, that's the best for consulate, yeah. Okay, and uh, that's temporary. That's for one year of residency without having to leave. So yeah. why would you do that? Because you know, as a Canadian, when I enter the country, I get six months, 180 days when I come here, right? And yeah. then I can go to the states or to Guatemala. I mean, fictionally, we'll say those places were open, and then I can just come back. So if somebody wanted to be here for a year, why wouldn't they just get two tourist visas instead of going through, like what are the benefits of getting a temporary residency over? Well, I guess um, the main uh, benefit is you have a CURP. CURP is um, like a code you have, like you are part of the population. With that one, you can have a health insurance, either the public one or a private one. Without a work, you cannot um, buy a health insurance in Mexico. That's one, and uh, open a Mexican bank account. That's another one, you need a work for the temporary residency. Yeah, that's, yeah, and those are pretty much the, main things. I, I do know that before I, I got my permanent residency, I never did the temporary, but I, it was very difficult. Banking was a big one for me. I really wanted that curb so that I could just open up my I, bank. Can we take a pause, please? I'm so sorry. So 
then what is the difference? This just leads me right into the next question. What is the difference between a temporary and a permanent residency? Okay, the permanent resident uh, doesn't need a permission to work uh, because the temporary resident uh, cannot work unless they have a work permit. So for permanent residents, uh, you can work without any um, additional permit. And yeah, of course you have your CURP and all the benefits for uh, temporary residents and you don't have to do renewals, like you are permanent and you don't have to go to INM to renew every year, it's just done. And uh, only if you want to become a Mexican citizen, then you have to do another paperwork, not with immigration, with the exterior relations secretary, but yeah, that that's the, the benefits for permanent residents. Do you have to have the same amount of money in your account? Is it the same requirements about 30,000 in savings and about 2,000 a month? No, I mean, no for the permanent residents, for, for obtaining permanent residency in a consulate, first it's only available for pensioners and retirees. I don't know why, but if you are a, just a person want to be a permanent resident, but you are not retired yet, you cannot apply for permanent residency in a consulate. You can go for a temporary residency and after four years as a temporary resident, you can go for the permanent residency. And so if you are in this case, you are a pensioner or a retiree, uh, then you have to have monthly average balance of 2 million uh, 400,000 pesos in your account um that's uh, okay about um us dollars in your savings mm -hmm. and for deposits is uh in us dollars oh, It's more than two thousand a month. Uh, it, a month is thirty thousand a month for being a permanent resident. Like you have to have this deposit up to thirty thousand US dollars. Okay. Uh, for being so, a permanent. For, this is the. Cost so you only have to have about thirteen hundred US dollars coming in a month, so less. Yeah. That's for uh, the requirements for asking the, the residency in a consulate. But if you, don't, if you don't qualify for this, you can go for the temporary residency and then you have to renew a four years on time and then you can request for the permanent residency. Okay. I know people that have permanent residency that are not retirees. So is that how they did it? Is that the only they way? Probably they did that way. Like there is no other way to to <laughs> Or you can have a child. I have a permanent residency. Yeah, that's for another uh, assumption that that's family bond. That's different. Yeah, we are here. We're talking about economic sovereignty. Yeah. Right. The other assumption for family bond is if you uh, you are married to or um, you have a. Um, children who has a 
who is Mexican or has a residency. Like for example, parents, in your right? country, yeah. Like for, for you, you have a child, it's Mexican. So for Mexican, it, there is a right to have a family unity. So that's why you can go uh, to permanent residency. For example, wow. if you have your parents for you, uh, you could have also them to come here as a, as residents because they are your they are your family. And you as a permanent resident, you have the same right. So that's how it works. So if I had a parent that retired here and got their permanent residency through retiring, and then I wanted to move here, I could do it through their permanent residency, no. or do they need to no, be naturalized? No, the the bond only works when when the when the child is a minor. That's, uh -huh. the, that's the only way it works. When but you, they only need residency, they don't need to be naturalized and have a passport. Uh, no, I, can you repeat? I don't think I understood. <laughs> they only need residency. They don't need a passport. Um, no, I mean. You only need to have the residency. If you want to be a Mexican citizen, that's another story. Like being a Mexican citizen um, is different because you have, of, of course, you have your Mexican passport and you also can buy land in the restricted zone and you can vote. But that's the main difference. But you don't have to go there if you don't want to. You, you can you go like, <laughs> you yeah. can also make car payments. I don't think that people realize, like, the thing is, is like being from Canada, like in Canada, people, nobody owns anything. Like, um, something that I've come up against a lot here immigrating is there's an assumption that I'm rich because the only people they ever meet are people with $120,000 in their bank account. And it's like, I don't know anybody with over $30,000 saved Canadian. That's, that's much less. That's, that's uh, 22,000 American or something. I don't know anybody with that in Canada, anybody. I don't have any friends with $100,000 in their bank account. Most people have debt. They're in tens of thousands of dollars worth of debt. Most of them are gonna be making payments for their homes for the rest of their lives. Most of them had to get their parents to co-sign or mortgage their own homes in order to buy a home. Nobody owns a car. Nobody owns shit in Canada. So when they come here, same with Americans. Americans are like a paycheck away from the poverty line, most of them. So when they want to come here and they ask me questions, they don't realize that you have to buy your house outright. There is no financing. They don't realize that if you want a 300,000 peso Jeep, you need to have 300,000 pesos. You can't put 10,000 down and pay it off. You know, and it's, it, you know, I've come up against it a lot. It's been like a huge assumption. Like anytime I talk to a lawyer, anytime I go to a notary, anytime I go to immigration, they're like, well, why don't you have half a million dollars? And I'm like, because I don't like the majority. I don't know anybody with that money. I don't know anybody. I know, I know tens of thousands of people and I don't know anybody with a hundred thousand dollars in their bank account. Zero people. I know a lot of people with $50,000 worth of debt but I don't know anybody with that. So the reason I wanted to talk more about it is that I think it's, it's, I think that people don't understand that like when you move here, you can't like 
you know, you can't, if you don't have your citizenship, you can't get do car payments. You have to buy everything outright. And the majority of people from other countries have never owned anything. They own payments. The bank owns it. They buy a mortgage from the bank. Like people ask me all the time, like, well, how do you get things financed? And I'm like, you don't, you have to be rich. That's how it works here. <laughs> but then it's like, obviously Mexicans are buying things and not being rich. So there's like this rub. Do you think that, I mean, I always just tell everybody come here and have a baby done easy. You don't have to worry after that. Everything's cut down. It's, a be it's the best place in the world to have a child very easy it's you know best midwives in the world are here like you know it's all very it's like the best place to go um and it gets you around that problem of needing to be rich uh but obviously not everybody wants to have children so it doesn't you know it's not the solution but it's good to know that a temporary residency is much more achievable i think that having forty thousand dollars in your bank account and making about two grand a month like that's kind of the amount of money that you need to be making outside of the country anyway to live here. That's kind of the amount that I tell people that they're going to need to live comfortably because they won't have any, you know, to buy your insurance and to pay your rent and to feed your family and to do whatever you need because you can't work here and you're not, and you, and you have to buy everything outright. So you're going to need that kind of money to be comfortable. So it's good to know you can have that for four years. I have personal questions about, I'm, I'm up for my passport in January and I do want a passport. Um, I, it's been difficult that I don't have one. I have more, pro I tell people all the time that like what to do is get the first level. And then when that level is too hard, go to the next one kind of thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, I thought the permanent residency would be so great because I wanted a bank account and I lived here and all that stuff. But now I mean, there's so many things I want to do that I really need to be a citizen to do. And so now it makes sense that it's time to move on to, to, the, to the next thing. But what's the process there? I mean, I know that I only have to have my permanent residency for two years because I have a child instead of five. And I know about not leaving the country. But what do you, what do, you do? How do you apply? Like, there's no information. Um, you're talking about uh, a U.S. permanent resident to become a Mexican citizen. Yeah, do you have to take a course? Do you have to take a test? Like, yeah. Um, well, that's a process called naturalization. Mm -hmm. In English, I don't know. I, I don't know if it could be translated like naturalization, but yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is different. Uh, it's not with INM is with a different uh, agency that is uh, Exterior Relations uh, Secretary or SRE in mm -hmm. Spanish. And yeah, th th there is a process you, you have to, to pass a culture and history test and Spanish test. And uh -huh. there is a little requirement and that I give it in a, a consultation, a personal consultation, I give that, like, I give you a full guide of the steps and where and the documentation you need and all, all that. How and long it, does it usually take? Like from when you start the process? How long it takes the process is, it's hard to say. It could be, I mean, it could be one month, but 
right now the the difficult thing is um not all the things are operating so well yeah yeah that's that's the main difficulty because for example the office in oaxaca city here in oaxaca we only have an office uh sre office in oaxaca city so yeah first of all oaxaca city now it's not safe to go there and second of all it's not open only you you will have to go to mexico city and yeah what they do is you don't make an appointment like for example for example me as a mexican if i want to do my passport i do an appointment online or via phone but for the naturalization process you don't do an appointment you just go there and do a line and if you are in the in the first 20 people you go you 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 can do it that day if you don't you have to return the next day and I don't I've know. been in the offices, the immigration offices, where it's like 600 people in a 30-person office, and everyone's got kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been in so, a crazy immigration office. Yeah, I think uh, it's a very, it's not hard. Like the requirements they ask, it's not like that hard to to get. But I think the process is very. Uh, uncomfortable i don't know but i think maybe it's the ultimate test for you to be become a mexican like if you can go through that process you are definitely mexican <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited actually to take the course i've been I've, i don't know if you have one you can recommend you can text me after but uh i, I i'm excited to learn about mexican history uh because it's the yeah. most interesting history in all of north america it's the oldest they have place. Books. They have a book they recommend you can buy and i think in umar uh, bookstore and you buy it at walmart <laughs> yeah it's umar, umar no no walmart. oh i thought you said walmart <laughs> no no umar the university university yeah, of umar. Umar. i yeah. think they have it uh the the book um they based the test in that book so okay cool they have a book so yeah that's that's the process uh overall and yeah do you think things will be opening up again like what just your own personal idea like when do you think that things will start to relax and and people will start to be able to go back to immigrating like they were before the offices will be open um i think six months it's hard to say i hope so yeah in six months definitely i think it's going because it's already starting to reopen like very slow but for example here in May, the sre it, it has some some offices already opening uh in different parts of the country but not all of them because um these uh traffic lights Thing yeah. of COVID, so they are not opening Oaxaca yet because we are in red. But hopefully, um, well, the COVID cases are are starting are not like going down, but they are not going up like before. So yeah, the WHO has already announced that we're just going to have to live with it, like we do with SARS, MERS, AIDS. You know, we're just going to have to live with it. So I think it is just going to take people a while to. Um, you know, when you scare people unnecessarily and then they get really scared, it's very difficult to pull them back from that fear once it's out there. And I think it's just going to take people a while to, uh, you know, 
feel confident that washing their hands and, you know, it, it, uh -huh. and taking precautions will be fine, taking care of their immune health and stuff. So I see things changing here. At least our beaches is open, are open. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, Maria, thank you so much for talking to me today. And what's the URL that people can go to? I'll leave it below as well for those of you watching on Patreon. Yeah. But what's the URL in case they in, if they want to book an appointment with you to start their immigration process? Um, okay, well, we have a website. It's uh, immigratetomexico.com. Mm -hmm. And then you can just send, uh, uh, well, you, if you fill out a form there, I, I can get it in an email so I can write back to you. Or also in Facebook, we are as Consultoria Legal Vasquez Moctezuma, or if you type Moctezuma Immigration Advisors, you can find uh -huh. if they need the information in Spanish. I can give it without a problem. And yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. I'll leave all the links for that below for those of you watching on Patreon. And thanks again, Maria, for meeting with me. This was really helpful. And I will most likely be in touch with you when I'm closer to my time to yeah, get my passport. Sure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, bye. Have a great day. Bye. bye.